Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. I personally feel very fortunate to be here with you all today. My name is Gabrielle Hakon, and I am here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Sadie Carpenter. And hi, Sadie. Uh, if you hi. are with, yeah, to our listeners, if you are listening to this right now, um, this is the last episode that we are recording before uh, Sadie and her husband uh, have their beautiful child. Uh, yeah, so at the point that you are hearing this right now, uh, when you're listening to this, the, this baby is probably between like six and eight weeks old. Yeah, probably closer to eight weeks old, considering the events of today. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, because uh, according to a medical doctor, Sadie <laughs> is technically in labor right now. It's very, very early. It'll probably be a couple of days, but I am in the process of having a baby. <laughs> That is okay, but you're here recording a podcast. Um, but I, uh, you know what? What else am I gonna do? You see, just to let everybody know, this was not at my behest. Like I, no. I, I am not out here being like, no, you need to have this. We we need to record this episode. Like 
I've this whole time I've been like, are you sure I can like scrounge up some outtakes and stuff and put together a clip show so we don't miss a week? Like, no. So I'm eating. No, I'm fine. And I also don't want my outtakes being published because I'm pretty sure I've said some really dumb things on air. Oh, yeah. But only our Patreon listeners have heard you say all those dumb things. Yeah, they paid it. You say dumb things. Yeah. But, yeah, but um, so next week's episode, this is the last one that we're recording uh, while I'm still waiting on the baby. And when you hear next week's episode, we'll be caught up to the current timeline. And Lord willing, I'll be able to announce the, the birth of Jonathan and my first baby. So you guys, okay. So I just want to real quick right there. You So you guys say Lord willing. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, sorry. Sometimes it slips out and I don't think about it. Yeah, because we say we say God willing usually, or very common like phrase if Jewish people say God willing or if God wills it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that you had an equivalent phrase to that. Well, the actual okay. So the actual phrase, the, the Hebrew phrase, is uh, Bezrat Hashem. Okay, I yeah. I didn't know that that was like a a, a thing that we shared. Um, I don't know why Christians specifically say Lord willing instead of God willing, but it is, I just, I know it's one of the few Christian phrases that I've never been able to completely drop from my vocabulary after leaving the IFB. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, that makes sense though, because that that's a phrase that if you say it in like a regular conversation, it's not going to really raise any eyebrows, you know, like just like it just maybe cues people into the fact that you're in some way <laughs> religious, right? In most cases, that's correct. I feel like I've run into some awkward situations in the past using that phrase. Yeah. Well, like what? Like just in situations where somebody doesn't expect you to be religious? Yeah. Or like situations where what I was saying didn't match with a even a mildly religious phrase. Like, Lord willing, if it doesn't rain tomorrow night, I'm going to go out dancing and get hammered. I feel like there's some sentences that Lord willing just like doesn't belong in sadie do you know what day it is and this will let everybody know what day we're recording this on but do no, you know what I, day don't, it is? I don't know what day it is today is purim which is the day on which the jewish people commemorate the events that transpired in the book of esther um it is colloquially known as jewish halloween um and if you listen to uh, so Getting obliterated on Purim is not just customary. It is a mitzvah. It is a commandment. Yeah. In the, yeah. IFB, in the IFB world, we unfortunately don't have that. Yeah. So you hear this? Yes. I hear yeah, ice that cubes. Is, that is ice cubes in my glass of cognac. I've been, I mean, it's Purim. I've been drinking all day. Uh, so oh, you sound great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do sound great. I sound amazing. I sound incredible. Sadie is uh, in the process <laughs> of delivering a child, and I am out here very hammered. <laughs> hey. So this might be a really good episode, <laughs> or this it might, might be, be a, a great episode. One. Yeah. So yeah, mm, that's not something the IFB would have done. <laughs> uh, no, none of this. No. <laughs> no, but. Okay, okay. Uh, before we get into the topics of today's episode, I am obligated to say that the Leaving Eden podcast is a show about Sadie Carpenter's life in and her escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult. Uh, we seek to educate and we seek to inform about this cult, about other cults, and the danger 
that they pose to society as a whole. We promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. All right. So if you are a new listener to the show, welcome. We would highly recommend that you listen to the first episode of the show, as well as our five-part First Family of Fundamentalism series that we did last year, you know, just to get like a lot of the groundwork, a lot of the background information about this cult out of the way. But Sadie. Yes. So um, today's episode is uh, one that I am particularly excited for. Um, I know that we spend a lot of time talking about the IFB. We're talking about IFB history, talking about your life experiences in the IFB. Uh, And today uh, we're sort of going to talk about those things, but we are going to focus more heavily on a piece of the puzzle of how Sadie managed to build herself from a brainwashed cult member into a fully functioning human member of regular society uh, that is, you know, basically you're like a regular person. You're just like, you know, anybody else. Yeah. It's not very often that somebody calls me normal. I really appreciate that. Well, you, I mean, you know, when I first met you, I didn't think that there was anything particularly weird about you, but then again, that's that's me. (laughs) Yeah. Then again, it's you. And also I grew up in Portland. And so you had, I think you had like very, it was your hair, your hair was a color of like fuchsia. When I met you, it would have been, yeah, it would have either been hot pink or it would have been right after I went to to the the sunset purple to orange color melt. No, I remember when you went to the purple to orange color melt and I remember thinking, oh, that looks fire. But Okay, so it was it was pink because that's what I had before that. <laughs> yeah, see, but like I'm sure that you're like, oh, I have I have a pink like pink hair that makes me look like a weirdo. You live in Portland, you don't look like a weirdo if you have pink hair. Like everybody and their f- mother has pink hair here. No, um, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm, you, like, just, you just I'm seem not like remotely a the only like super pregnant person walking around with bright blue hair. No, like this is this is not unusual around here. Mm-hmm. But that that does bring me though to something that. I've been noticing, we've been reading messages from listeners recently when we get messages to our our podcast social media accounts or our email or whatever. And a couple things have really been standing out to me about what our listeners say when they write to us. I've noticed a lot of people saying that they felt so lost and so alone when they left the IFB, which is something that I've expressed a lot. They, you know, just like I felt completely unprepared for the outside world. So did a lot of our listeners. They felt like they had no skills or experience or no way to navigate the outside world. And they felt like they just stuck out like a sore thumb. No. And that's obviously going to be intentional on the part of the IFB because, you know, like if you're brainwashing somebody, you keep them in a prison without walls. So we hear about cults, you know, the most famous cults that we can think of are going to be like, you know, Branch Davidians at Waco, Texas, or, you know, Jonestown. Um, And those cults all had like compounds where they operated from. But the IFB, you know, the way that Sadie explained it, they, they didn't need a compound because their brainwashing was so strong that they keep you imprisoned in your mind and then they don't have to keep you imprisoned physically. Right. You become uh, a unknowing participant in your own brainwashing and in your own captivity. Super insidious. It, it really is. And then that leads to guilt when you get out because you realize that you were part of 
what was keeping yourself down. And then it leads to just like, it leads to horrible guilt on the part of the survivors. But that sense of like, I don't know how to function outside this group. It's such a powerful motivator for people to stay in. And you you do this like self brainwashing because the risks of leaving seem so huge. And like the unknowns of leaving seem so huge that you can, you almost start to talk yourself into staying, even in the times when you're not so sure if you believe anymore. You're just doing it because it's convenient. Yeah, you give yourself reasons that it's better to stay. And I think that, so today I want to talk about one small thing that contributes to that sense of belonging in the church and not feeling at home outside the church. And that is the coded language that is used within church. I'm I'm sure that you're familiar with the term code switching. Yeah, you mean how when I talk to you, I don't put Yiddish words in every other sentence because you're not going to have any idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. Or how some people, you know, some people speak Spanish or like a mixture of Spanish and English at home with lots of slang that's very specific to Spanish-speaking people who live in the U.S. Spanglish, man. Um, Yeah, Spanglish. But they speak very differently at school or at work. Or how some people like use African-American vernacular English, uh, AAVE, at home, but not at school or at home, but not in college. No, I I think most people are going to be familiar with this concept. So I think the idea of Christian cliches and Christian vernacular is common in many evangelical churches and not just within the IFB. But I also think that for people who, especially people who grew up within the IFB, having a very specific type of language that you use at church and needing to code switch between church and interactions with outsiders can really contribute to that feeling of belonging inside and not belonging outside. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, though. Do you so do you want to give us like some specific examples? Sure. So some of these phrases are pretty IFB specific while others are more just like generally generically Christian and are used a lot in the IFB as well as in other Christian groups. A couple you might have heard before would be like a journey or a, a season of whatever. You mean, wait, so you mean like, you know how Bethany from Girl Defined had her season of singleness, which was all of her 20s when she was yes. like- Yes, yes, exactly like that. When she was um, like super, 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 super thirsty and yes. she couldn't do anything about it, I swear. Anyway, both yeah. of these phrases are the the journey and the sing- season of whatever uh, are used extremely often by the Girl Defined people and by other- uh, you know, comparable evangelical types. Um, Bethany also at one point, apparently she posted about her hat journey. Hmm. That's a little bit trivial compared to how the term is usually used. I mm, I mean, like, I don't know. because, Like, if I heard somebody talking <laughs> about a journey, you know, I, I would assume that it was something like, you know, like emotionally powerful, but it was something like they had to overcome, right? Yeah. But so her, Bethany's hat journey is just her like talking about and like trying to figure out what kind of hat she looks good in. Yeah, like can I pull off a fedora or not? <laughs> um, the answer I, is always no for everybody. Yeah, um, I think journey gets thrown around pretty casually a lot. Like you can have like a <laughs> prayer journey or a Bible reading journey, which literally just means you're praying or reading your Bible. It's not like special. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, is that I'm I'm not gonna slate Bethany for this one, because like I, I I can say from experience that understanding your own fashion and understanding your own style is a journey, and figuring out 
yeah, figuring out what like a look that makes you, you know, look good is difficult. We're not everybody's gonna have like a tan France to style us and then send us on our merry way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately. I mean, Bethany, Be- Bethany especially isn't because you know she fucking hates gay people, but yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> Lord knows, you know, I've I've made some questionable fashion decisions in my past. And like I'm on Team Bethany here. Fashion is a pivotal piece of self-expression, and you don't get there overnight. It is a journey. It is a journey, and and I do, of course, <laughs> claim I claim a fashion exemption for all the years that I was in the IFB. But I think we could do a whole episode about trying to learn to dress myself once I was able to wear whatever I wanted. I'm actually really excited for that. We could do an episode where we talk about how you felt the first time you went to go buy jeans. We can talk about that. Well, we can also talk about like buying my first uh, Doc Martens, which are now pretty much the only shoes I wear. I wear Adidas and Doc Martens and that's it. Um, yeah. But we could also talk about uh, buying my first metal shirts and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I mean, I am talking about fashion has got me in the mindset now. I'm like, I'm so looking forward to being able to wear real jeans. Like probably a couple more months from now, like jeans without a stretchy fake thing in the front. Yeah. I mean, maternity pants are super comfy, but I am really kind of excited about getting back into my regular wardrobe. Like I'm like dreaming about, you know what I haven't been able to wear in a whole year? <laughs> it's my skinny jeans. Yeah. But speaking of praying and reading your Bible, though, there are several ways to refer to that practice. So there's another Christian phrase we could talk about. So in evangelicalism as a whole, you're more likely to hear devotions or daily devotions, and that'll get shortened to devos. So it'll be like, did you do mm. your devos today? See, I don't even I don't know what a daily devotion is. So like if I heard somebody talking about their devos, I'd have no idea what they were talking about. Like, you know, okay, you know what I would think? I would think that they were a fan. You know that new wave post-punk band from the 80s, Devo? Oh, yeah, totally. Are we not man? We are Devo. Are we not man? D-E-V. You know that song? I have heard it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's, so- a, well, that's what I think they would be doing. Like, every day I got to listen to that album. <laughs> every day I got to listen to Devo. Um, yeah. So would you have, like, <laughs> more of an idea or less of an idea of what that person was talking about if they said – um did you walk with God today or like, did you spend time with God or did you make an appointment with God today? Is that slang for like praying? It's sort of, um, there's more contemplative than that. No, it's, it's more time consuming. So outside the IFB, any of these phrases, it means any like solo daily religious activity. So like outside the IFB, the, the, the thought is that you should do something some kind of like religious learning or religious edification on your own every day. So you could, that could be reading the Bible, memorizing Bible verses, praying, meditating, reading Christian books, journaling, anything like that. Inside the IFB, it strictly means Bible reading and prayer. So it's the sort of thing that like your mother would ask you, like, you know, almost like, have you done your homework today? You know, have you done your devos today? Yes. Yeah. But it's something that you're supposed to want to do, but you're like expected to do it, right? Yeah. So as a kid growing up IFB, you were expected to do this every day. And then some families would have rules about like how long you had to do it or how many Mm. chapters in the Bible you had to read or whatever. 
In the IFB, the typical goal for adults is to read through the entire Bible every year, as well as at least one psalm per day, and at least one chapter of Proverbs per day. So the typical expectation that you either, like you either keep up with this or you lie and you say that you did keep up with this, would be like three to four chapters from your sequential reading of the Bible. So in, you know, you're in the middle of Second Kings and you're just like, you know, you're you're trudging through the Rehoboam beget Jeroboam and Jeroboam beget this guy, <laughs> like all that stuff. No, dude, um, the worst one would be trying to get through numbers. Numbers. Ugh. That's the one where it's all like, it's like just like generations of people. No, no. You know what numbers is? Numbers is uh, that they had like in this. This was the tribe of Manasseh. The tribe of Manasseh numbered 658,000 people. They had eight dozen lambs 40 oxen and like and like that's literally just fucking it for pages and, pages and it just and goes pages. on it goes yes. on oh my god because it's called numbers it's like literally just like a fucking census like in the, See, I <laughs> in always the Torah, like- there's a book that's just a fucking census it's like this is our holy book that you literally put it's like putting a word search in there <laughs> Why I mean, is there a word search in the Bible? I mean, I'm pretty sure Dan Brown thinks there are word searches in the Bible. No, is is the word search in the the word search in the Bible is like when they're trying to do Bible code and shit, like trying to make prophecies and shit. They're, they're doing it like a fucking word yeah, search. Yeah, yeah, the Da Vinci yeah. Code and all that. No, um, I, the, so I always like breeze through the Torah because, um, I was like fresh off like a New Year's resolution to do this, where I usually got stuck. Was you get to like July and you're in the middle of the minor prophets. So like Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Like you get into like deep into like the end of the Old Testament. And it gets, yeah, like the the prophets in the time of the Jewish exile in Babylon and all that kind of stuff. Speaking of which, today is Purim. Yeah, but it gets like very, it gets really sluggish. Like I always had trouble with Isaiah and Ezekiel and like all all of that. Uh, Um, Anyway, so you you read like three or four chapters from that and then one or more chapters of Psalms and then at least one chapter of Proverbs. And if it's February, so like if it's February 28th, you've got to read Proverbs 28, 29, 30 and 31 because you got to get to the end of Proverbs by the end of every month. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then you got to pray for like... 20 or 30 minutes or until you run out of stuff to say. And that's like the, that's the typical goal for adults. But I always felt obligated to do that starting when I was like 10 or 11. Yeah. So is that like the, I mean, that sounds so time consuming though. It is. So you're, it's like an hour a day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if you, if the only books that you're allowed to read are the Bible and like books from Hiles publications, that's not that much (laughs) reading and there's no TV. Uh, yeah, true. No, it it's it's a lot because imagine, I mean, well, you're a gym person, so you are a different type of person than I am, clearly. That's but if true. I had to wake up an hour early to do like a specific, so I'm not a morning person. If I have to wake up an hour early to do a specific thing, then I don't, I don't, like, I can't just wake up one hour early. I have to wake up two hours early because before I can do things. I need like coffee and shower and TikTok to like wake <laughs> my brain up, you know? I can't do things when I first get up. So when I was a child in the IFB and like years before I came along, 
people had, there was a big focus on doing this in the morning before anything else, because there are a couple Psalms that talk about in the morning, will I seek your face? So people took that really literally. And when I was at Hiles Anderson, we were, we were required to read our Bible at least 30 minutes a day from like 6.30 a.m. to 7 o'clock a.m. So is that, is that like, because I heard you say like some, there was some IFE preacher who was like, oh, Bible before breakfast, because they love like phrases and mm-hmm. that like sound nice. Yeah. And, and because I'm not a morning person. So if I was required to read the Bible from 6.30 a.m. to 7 o'clock a.m., that means I had to wake up at 5.30 because some people could like roll out of bed at 6.15 and, and be with it. You'd be late to class. They'd be like, where's where's Sadie? And this, your roommate goes <laughs> to your room, find you face first, halfway through Samuel. <laughs> I I can't do it. If I've got it, if I have to be up and reading with comprehension at 6.30 a.m., I have to be out of bed at 5.30 because I, it takes me a minute. So I was not a fan of this, like having to read the Bible before breakfast thing. I was not a fan as a kid. I was not a fan as a young adult. Towards the end of my time in the IFB, there began to be a little bit more leniency. Like people would say, well, if you're not really a morning person, how about instead you read one chapter and pray a little bit in the morning and then you can go back and read some more and pray some more later in the day. And that was a lot easier for me than being expected to do it first thing in the morning. There was definitely an impression, though. So if you didn't at least claim that you did devos or walking with God or whatever for at least 30 minutes to an hour a day, it's like admitting that you only shower once a week. Like, it's a real stigma. (laughs) We don't know anyone who does that, do we? Uh, No. But people (laughs) (laughs) people would definitely say that you were not on fire for God. All these phrases, man. <laughs> on fire for God? Yeah, on fire for God, I think it's a little more obvious in what it means, or at least I think it's more obvious than Devo's. I don't know, dude. So, like, if somebody said that they were, like, when you said on fire for God, you know what I imagined? Okay, what? Okay, so I imagine, like, a church gi- with, like, a giant pride flag, right? And, like, a gay pastor who was, like, encouraging you not just to be on fire for God, but encouraging you to be flaming for God. <laughs> <laughs> no, sadly, no. It means, like, really excited about church and God and whatever. In the IFB, it also means dateable if you're talking about a single person. Like you should go out with this guy. He's really on fire for God. And that means like, he's going to go to Hiles Anderson and be a bus captain, like become a great preacher one day. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So like it, there's a, it can be applied to anybody, but when it's applied to a single person, it's very clear, like what it's supposed to mean. I guess that that sort of like on fire for God factors into the, the Jack Scop, uh, three way with Jesus, uh, uh, theology because when somebody's like oh i'm on fire that means like i'm on i'm hot i'm like burning up you know yeah Bruce like Bruce anybody who's got seen, that song anybody it's who's like seen i'm on fire bridgerton i burn for you you haven't yeah. seen bridgerton but you, i haven't seen bridgerton i i did it was good oh i was gonna say there's a bruce springsteen song called i'm on fire and it's like you know about trying to he also has another song called fire and that song's actually pretty sexy even though it's a bruce springsteen song and thinking bruce <laughs> springsteen songs are sexy is like it's very boomerish yeah yeah great musician true but you oh, were talking where? about the you were talking about being uh, being flaming for god oh yeah no but i'm sure that exists somewhere right 
Oh, no, it totally does. There's an actual Christian denomination that was started by and for queer Christians. Uh, really? It's called the, yeah, the Metropolitan Community Church. There's there's one in most major cities. That actually, you know what? That doesn't surprise me at all. And I just want to say that I love it when things are like subversive, but in a really positive sort of way. So yeah. good, good for them. But I, I want to get back to the matter at hand uh, because we definitely did get off track there. Um, because <laughs> no, like they've got all of these phrases, you know, these phrases that might sound a little bit weird, right? Yeah. Because yeah, but they have a very specific meaning for the IFB. So like within the church, but like what, like what I really want to get down to here, because you, you mentioned that it's like an IFB dialect almost like, so I'm trying to f- figure out how that would fit into everyday speech. So how how about this? Why don't you describe like just like a regular set of events, okay? Mm-hmm. That you that you know you would do. That would be like a normal thing that a normal person would do. But you describe them in IFB dialect so that we can hear how different it would be from how we would normally talk. So why don't you make up a story for us, okay? So like okay. say you were going to go to the store to buy ingredients because you wanted to make a birthday cake for your grandmother. Okay. I think I can do that. Uh, I do want to add a content warning. I'm going to use my church lady voice to some extent. So uh, if that's going to trigger you, feel free to like skip ahead a little bit. So here we go. This is an IFB girl who runs into some trouble getting ingredients for a cake for her grandmother's birthday. Okay. So I was in the middle of doing my devos the other morning when I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot that it's my Nana's birthday today. I definitely had to fake it till I made it to focus on finishing up my Bible time so that I could head to the store. By the way, I do have a prayer request for Mrs. Smith. I saw her in the beer aisle while I was at the store. So we should definitely pray a hedge of protection around her because the devil must be tempting her. Bless her heart. Anyway, I went to the baking aisle and what do you know, they were out of strawberry cake mix and that's my grandma's favorite. I really just felt like I had gone from the mountaintop to the valley, you know? But I just had to think to myself, I'm too blessed to be stressed. So I went to the other grocery store across town to see if they had strawberry cake mix. And I knew that there had to be some God reason that God wanted me to drive all the way across town on that day. Like, I don't know, maybe I would have gotten in a terrible car wreck or gotten murdered if I had gone straight home. Well, I got to the other store and I saw this lady outside and God just laid it on my heart to give her a gospel track. She was asking for food, but I was able to give her the bread of life instead. It was absolutely just such a divine appointment. And I just know that I'm being blessed because I'm living in the center of God's will. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm proud of that. <laughs> that Okay. Okay. No, I did uh, a really good a, job writing that. <laughs> a, hedge, a hedge of protection. Okay. A hedge of protection. <laughs> hedge of protection. Um physical or spiritual protection that God provides you usually directly against Satan, but also against uh, car wrecks and other bad that can happen to you. It just means pray for God to protect somebody either physically or spiritually. Um, And uh, too blessed to be stressed. Oh, that's just something a bunch of Christians say. (laughs) (laughs) I'm too blessed to be stressed. Oh man. 
That's that's so funny. Ah, uh, no, like it's so wealthy. So you guys act like you actually used to talk like this. So I will admit that this is a little bit exaggerated because. So if I had run into you in like 2011, <laughs> like like ten years ago. Yeah. Okay. Ten years ago. Thanks. Make 2011. Me yeah. Would, like, would it have been like this? Would it have been similar to this? Okay, so I wanted to see how many of these phrases I could fit into a little short piece um, just for my own, like, writing skills. So I would not have strung them all back to back like that. Uh, but but these are – that's the way I talked, yeah. But, like, uh, like uh, so all of these things individually are things oh, yeah. that, like, somebody – like, you would say – Oh, yeah, absolutely. If it's in there, it is a phrase that I would have used, and it's used the exact way that I would have used it 10 years ago-ish. I mean, okay, like, I mean, like, if, 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 but if, like, they, they have you talking like this, everybody around you, like, you know, if you go around talking like this, everybody around you knows that you've been completely brainwashed. It, I mean, it's hard to say in retrospect because I was brainwashed at the time. I think I really tried to, t like, tone it down around other people because I knew I was speaking a language that outsiders wouldn't understand. But I also concurrently feel like I was never able to quite sound normal, even when I was trying to sound normal. Like, I remember speaking in these christian terms it felt very natural and trying to speak without using that kind of language felt very stiff and unnatural like i really had to think to not like like if you're a person who's who's used to swearing a lot you kind of have to like put a filter a mental filter on not to do that it felt like that but much harder i think to avoid using these like christianese phrases i mean i can imagine you know like i'm surprised that you didn't drop like random snippets of like King James Bible scripture verses in there, you know, oh, just for good measure. No, we did that. Oh, <laughs> I just, oh no, we absolutely did that. I just feel like I've lost my touch for being able to, to drop the right ones in, in the perfect places. Like I used to, it's just been too long and I didn't want to be completely fake. Like I wanted to be more accurate with how I wrote that little, that little snippet. I, it's like, you know, but like talking normally would be like if you told J-Rock that he couldn't say, you know what I'm saying? It would be exactly like that. It was it was really <laughs> difficult to to filter myself. And I felt like even oy. when I did, I didn't really sound normal, normal. Yeah. Oy, oy, oy. Like, I mean, if I heard somebody talking this way, I would just think that I don't I don't know, like. Because I grew up in Portland, which is a fairly secular city, you know, so seeing people like publicly reference God and scripture in everyday life wasn't commonplace for me <laughs> growing. No, it like it like you would never hear that. Oh, like, yeah, I, I don't imagine if I like if I heard you talking like that, I would have thought you were such a weirdo. Yeah. And I feel like the more I tried not to do it around other people, though. It almost made me sound really stilted, and I feel like I sounded less normal the more I tried not to use that language. Like, I perpetually felt like I was living in that, like, hello, fellow kids meme. <laughs> yeah. That's what I felt like every single day when I tried to interact with somebody outside the IFB. Yeah. But, like, obviously, you know, we've been all, like, all listening to you talk like a normal person for months and months and months. 
So you must have learned somehow. Hmm. I know, I'm going to get to that. Um, before I do, <laughs> yeah, okay. I wanted to see if you've picked up anything from me. So uh, let's do a pop quiz. Okay. So here, here, okay, here's the deal. Okay. So we'll do the pop quiz. Then we're going to take a break. We're going to take up the offering. And then we will get into the details of how you manage to talk like a normal human. That sounds awesome. Okay, so here's an easy starter warm-up question. Uh, acronym, WWJD. That's what would Jesus do? Correct. Okay, so I figured he would know that one. But here's another acronym. What about PUSH? P-U-S-H. P-U-S-H. Uh, hmm. Is it hmm. parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, <laughs> Addition, subtract. No. <laughs> that's PEMDAS. Yeah, that's PEMDAS. Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Yeah, um, yeah give, give me a hint. That's the way I learned it. Okay, okay. You, uh, you want a hint. Um, okay, okay, so in PUSH, the P is for pray. Okay, P-U-S-H. Pray. Mm. What is... I'm going to say it is pray upwards supporting Hashem. You know, that's not bad. <laughs> Unfortunately, not correct. So push is pray until something happens. Pray and so pray until something like, but yeah. something's going to happen eventually, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the idea is that you can just, you can just pray and then like, God is uh, oh I don't even want to get I don't want to get into this theology because uh, but IFB people are going to know what I'm talking about uh the unjust judge like I know you know if you're former IFB uh there is a there is a slightly controversial theology that if you pray for something long enough God is somehow obligated not to give it to you but at least to consider it um you mean like if you can decide that you want to join the $10 tier of our Patreon, you get to at least suggest a Yes. <laughs> a even, if never... <laughs> even if it's something terrible, we'll still consider it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's um here's one more for your pop quiz. Uh, okay. If I told you that Mr. Jones was called home last night. Okay. You know I do I mean? know this one. Yeah. Okay. So this one means that Mr. Jones snuffed it. Yep. means he's dead. Yeah. Yep. yep. Mr. Jones kicked the bucket. Um, I find euphemisms for death like really fascinating. And then there's like a whole subset of Christian death euphemisms. And I, I find that so interesting. Dude. Okay. Dude. Okay. Yeah. I, I f***ing hate euphemisms for death. Like, okay. You know, you know what? Nothing irks me more than hearing the two words passed away. Mm. You know, like I know it's supposed to be like compassionate or whatever, but like, Somehow, I feel like it's worse because you're avoiding talking about what happened. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, I wouldn't say I like death euphemisms. I find it – it's more like a an anthropological interest. I, I find it fascinating that the word death or died is still a taboo. Uh, and the links that we will go in our society to avoid saying it. The one I hate is not passed away, though. The one I hate is we lost him. Like – I'm sorry. Fucking go find him. Yeah. Like, where did you lose him? <laughs> did you check in the last place you remember seeing him? He fell out of my pocket when I was at the beach. <laughs> Have you thought about, you know, those little tile keychains that'll send a blip to your iPhone if you're prone to misplacing things? Did you, have you thought about putting one of those on him if you They're keep losing collar. him? 
like your dog. Find my grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm sorry. The one, and I know that's probably really mean. Um, but the the phrase we lost so and so, just it it causes me to laugh inappropriately at times when I shouldn't be laughing, and no. I I hate it as a death euphemism. Yeah, for me, uh, passed away, passed on. Like I feel like both of those are they're just like pussyfooting around like the problem that we're like because everybody's gonna f-ing die, right? Right. I'm gonna die eventually, like yeah. many years from now, hopefully. You know, every, every like people die literally every day. People die all the time. Like pretending that that's like, you know, what I'm saying like pretending that that doesn't happen is just like it seems to me just like it's. At, yeah. yeah, it is kind of it's kind of pointless. But this does have a funny end with um, in Christian culture because the the a really prevalent way to say somebody died is to say that they've gone home or they've been called home or homecoming. This can lead to some pretty funny mix-ups because oh, so, gosh. okay, so someone is in the hospital, like an ex- somebody's been in the hospital for an extended amount of time, and it has not been clear whether they are going to recover or not from whatever illness has got them in the hospital. Okay, if someone tells you that they went home this morning, you don't know if they died <laughs> or if they were discharged from the hospital because they had recovered. <laughs> So, you know, you, they went home. Okay, which home? Did they did they die? Did they go to heaven? Or did they did they go home to their house where they live? <laughs> so you'll see like a Facebook post with my dad went home this morning and half the comments are like, congratulations, Bill. And half the comments are like, so sorry to hear this. Until some family member gets on there and sorts out like which home the person went to. Okay, so, so hold – so because – Called home is very obvious what that means, right? Called yeah, home has always died. Called home means you died, but gone home and went home are like ambiguous. Yes, yeah. gone home and went home could mean that you got into a car or another means of conveyance and made your way to your house where you reside, but they could also mean that you died, that perished, left this mortal coil. And it can really sometimes be unclear what people mean because to further complicate the matter, homecoming can mean either one of these things, but homegoing is only homegoing exclusively refers to death. Okay, here's here's a question. Here's a question because oh, actually this isn't so much of a question, but like if you're Jewish, chances yeah. are, like you might say you might hear somebody say oh, like oh he went home. But you know what went home would mean for us? Went home might mean, oh, he decided to make Aaliyah and move to Israel. Right. So that's like a yeah, totally so- different home. So it doesn't mean that he it, – it neither means that he died nor that he returned to his house. Yeah. No, like I'm on Clubhouse. Oh like, yeah, no, like I'm on I'm in Clubhouse rooms all the time with Jewish people. And then they'll be like, three years ago, I decided to – I decided to go home and – and I, I went home to the land of Israel and I live in uh, Tel Aviv now. Like, that's oh <laughs> that's like gosh. a thing people will say. That's so funny. Yeah, I've, I've seen this get really confused. And I've been confused, too, because, like, especially if somebody, like, if, you know, if it's the middle of the night and, like, you've been praying for somebody who's been in the hospital and then somebody's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so went home, you can – you can it can really be like well wait wait what which home which one 
<laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh. It's a pretty it's a it's a good time, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, that's funny. But it doesn't it doesn't exclusively mean death. No. Yeah. So so it gets a there can be some real mix-ups. Yeah. No, man, when I die, make sure okay, put out a press release, make sure that it is absolutely 100 clear that I am dead as f- I'm not coming back. Bury me in a pine box. Put my wardrobe on Parshmark. Yes, same for me, except for with the caveat that uh, since I'm not Jewish, if anyone wants to tan and frame my tattoos for posterity, uh, feel free to do that. Oh, yeah. Like, like I don't have to be buried with all the body parts. So if somebody wants to, like, frame my tattoos, they can do it. Yeah, but I'm trying to imagine, like, putting that in my house. Um, I've seen. I know people who have it. Yeah. Uh, no. Then no, again, no, I also no, no. know a girl who has a thumb. It's a long story. Um, okay, let's do one more acronym to see if you can figure this out because I'm not going to tell. The- okay, so you're not going to tell the thumbs. That's fine. <laughs> I will tell. I'll tell it at some point. As it's my teaser for the episode. I know a girl who has a mummified thumb. Uh, I will tell that story at some point. Okay, one more acronym. Let's see if you can figure out one more Christianese phrase before we go take up the offering. So this one is frog. F R O G, like the animal. Okay, frog, 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 frog. So, f- 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 faithful are okay. So I'm gonna F is faithful. Um, repetition of God's word. No, God's word can't work because that's two words. Um, faithful repetition of grace. I don't know. I am very yeah. impressed with that guess. Um, so so the actual acronym is it's fully rely on God. But that was a great guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't I don't like first of all, I just want to say I hate it when people begin acronyms with adverbs because it seems to me like they're trying to, you know, they had the word that they wanted to make an acronym of beforehand. It's, that, then, it's like a backronym. Yeah, it's a backronym where they mm. start with the word and then they try to think of like because they couldn't say rog, right? Rog isn't really anything. It's the right? thing, yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, mm. okay, well, we need to make it into like a, a word, so we have to put an F in front of it. And I then see. they ended up yeah, they ended up doing it with like an advert. I think that's quite poor. I mean, I don't know. I just thought of all of the Jesus-y words that I could think of and I, I you know, <laughs> and I tried to put as many of them together as possible. So. I mean, I agree that starting it with an adverb is not ideal. Um, but that was that was a great pop quiz. I think let's go take up the offering and then when we come back, um, we're gonna we can shift and talk a little bit more about how I learned to talk like a normal member of society to some mm-hmm. extent. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Gavriel here. If you enjoy the Leaving Eden podcast, head over to our Facebook group, Eden Exodus, where you can talk to other fans, ask us questions, and share memes. That's Facebook.com slash Eden Exodus. You can join our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Leaving Eden Podcast, and you'll get access to extended and uncensored episodes. You can also support our show by recommending it to your family and your friends. The Leaving Eden Podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. And now, back to the show. Okay, so we are back. We are discussing how before like 2015, Sadie used to talk like a f***ing weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> We're also, we, before uh, you guys didn't hear this, Sadie told me, so how many how many contractions have you had while we've been recording this episode? Oh, like six. <laughs> what the f***? I'm sitting here with my contraction timer. I am, I'm, I'm happy as can be. I'm, I'm totally fine. I, I, I don't know how. I'm just hoping this turns into real labor and i get to have my baby soon yeah get this get this alien thing out of you you know <laughs> yeah i mean i'm fine I'm, I'm feeling great yeah but anyway back to the, i mean we could talk about that all day uh but back to back to the matter <laughs> but we hand. shouldn't because we need to finish this episode so that yeah, I we, can... need to, we need to finish we literally are like we're in a time crunch right now <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah okay so um you used to talk like a fucking weirdo let's go Bam. okay yeah I mean I still I still slip up and use like Lord willing um and praise the Lord is the other one that I still kind of slip up and use sometimes yeah okay but there's a difference between saying Lord willing like God willing and like praise the Lord and Lord, saying, wait, wait 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 Lord willing I have this baby this weekend <laughs> yeah Lord willing I have this baby this week yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that's not the same as like I went to the grocery store for toilet paper, but the Lord had other plans for me. That's like some weirdo shit. Like, who the yeah, I, I mean, I know I felt really self conscious even about saying like Lord willing or praise the Lord or whatever when I first tr- started to try to assimilate into like normal people world. Now I don't feel so weird. Like now I use Lord willing here and there because I figure most people who know me know that i'm from the south so they probably just think it's a southern thing like bless your heart oh you've never said bless your heart to me which i think is a good thing <laughs> that is that is a good thing yes you're correct yeah. like i've like i've I've had that said to me by christians on twitter uh, oh, but man. i think i deserved it yeah um <laughs> like i said before you know i mean us jewish people we are much more uh straightforward when we want to insult you we will say something mean to you may say something mean about you we won't get all like passive aggressive about it but like i said before like if somebody if somebody said lord willing god willing praise the lord i wouldn't think twice i you know it would raise no eyebrows for me but what i really want to get into is like 
how you learned to talk like a normal person because like you i mean you know as much as we may joke about you you know <laughs> you, you do like you do talk like a normal person and you talk like a normal person on a podcast that literally thousands of people listen to these people clearly like the way you talk and they find your story compelling so let's let's get into like how you actually learn to not be such a weirdo. So I want to tell you one story first about me being such a weirdo. Okay. <laughs> because when I was in high school, um, I remember being told that I needed to go hang out with the bus kids, like the teenagers who were bus kids and rode the bus to church, um, because the adults wanted me to befriend them and get the teenagers more into the church and like invite them to the youth group or whatever. So people we're really putting all this pressure on me because I'm the pastor's kid and it's my job to go become these other teenage girls best friend to like bait them into church, which looking back is like totally messed up that they would do that to me. It's messed up that they would do that to the other girls. Like this is a messed up situation. Yeah. But like what, like what would you even talk to them about though? Okay. So that's the funny part of the story. (laughs) So are you like walking up to these girls? Like, so Courtney, What's your favorite Bible verse? (laughs) Um, I knew that was not going to work super well for me. (laughs) So I asked the people, like the people who were putting the hots on me about this. I was like, okay, what am I supposed to talk to a worldly teenager about? Like, what do they like? And these people told me. (laughs) They told me to talk about the Cardinals. Ask this other teenage girl if she likes the Cardinals baseball team. Right, because you're living outside St. Louis, right? Yeah, I lived in like I lived in like yeah, Cahokia, Illinois, East St. Louis, Illinois area. Oh my god! So you're so you're like yeah, urban teenage girls. Was it like men that were telling you, or like was it women that were telling you to ask about like it was both. The, they the were like, pe- like this was the consensus among my leaders that this would be like there were multiple people telling me that this would be the best thing for me to talk to like the St. Like Louis city, Cardinals. Yeah, like 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 urban teenage girls. Best known Not the Rams. I don't know. I mean that's like that's what that's what people do though. Like follow the yeah. local major league baseball team. Like that's a very typical teenage girl hobby. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be fair, though, the mid-2000s Cardinals were, like, consistently good. They were in the playoffs oh, yeah. a lot. Yeah, No, it was solid. a super good time to be a Cardinals fan. Like, I got to go to some games during that era, and it was it was a ton of fun. But, no, I literally went into the – so, as a teenager, uh, I literally went into the Sunday school class the next week, like, how about them Cardinals? <laughs> and <laughs> – predictably this went over like a lead balloon with my fellow 15 year old girls Uh, no it's i mean like i so i find it i find it like how the like the ifb know enough about kids to know that they like sports but like baseball like i i you know i love baseball but baseball is like the least cool sport if you're a teenager not like basketball basketball's cooler football's cooler like you know i mean but think about yeah, it, though. Like, I agree. But th- th- just think about the disconnection, though. These girls, I mean, I don't even know what were teenage girls into in, like, 2008, 2009. I don't know. Jersey Shore, Glee? Yeah. Like, what music? What was girl music in 2008? Yeah. I mean, they like, you know, they'd be Jersey Shore, Glee, like, Lady Gaga. 
My Chemical Romance, uh, Halo Three was popular. Kanye West. I mean, you would not, you would not see like IFB Jesus jams on these people's like playlist, right? And and all. I'm being like Beyonce. Beyonce, yeah. I assume, yeah. But I was being shamed by people at the church because I wasn't good enough at getting these teenagers to be my friend so that I can help brainwash them. But the thing is that I literally had no context for their entire lives. Yeah. I mean, like, they must have, they literally must have thought that you were the lamest person in the entire world. That they they were like, yeah, I mean, they were probably trying to, like, text boys and and, like, they, (laughs) like, you know, talk about, like, gossip girl and like they know that they can't talk to you about that stuff yeah and and i did i felt like the lamest person in the world at that age and it was it was honestly hard as a teenager because i felt trapped i don't know if that makes any sense no it does make sense i felt like the gap between me and my peers was so huge that there was no way for me to surmount it like there was no way for me to have a human connection with someone my age who wasn't in the cult oh yeah after several years after that, you know, you end up, you're getting out of the cult and you start getting like hardcore into worldly music, you know, like cold play. <laughs> yes. Well, I think I got, I got more into music. Uh, so I, I was 16 when I got my iPod and at first I was only listening to like super Jesus music. And then I found like, Michael Bublé and then from there I found like Josh Groban and then from there I found The Cure and then from there I found Coldplay and then it was like a slippery slope down into evil. <laughs> Wait, you went from The Cure to Coldplay? That's I feel like the that way I remember it. I feel like that should have been the other way around. It could have been. I don't I don't okay. know. I know it was I know it was those four bands or artists that were up high on the first things I listened to. I don't care if Sunday's blue tuesday's great yeah oh that's a great song but my my question still we because we got a bit sidetracked there my question still stands how did you teach yourself to like carry on a basic conversation with outside of the ifb so what i did was i latched on to things super hard that i thought were the cool thing so i would pick something not based on I like this thing, but based on I perceive this to be the most popular or the most universal media. Huh. And sometimes I was right about what was actually popular. And then sometimes I was wrong <laughs> about what was actually popular. Like, you know, Coldplay. Yeah, but Coldplay so, was popular. Yeah, but like not as popular as I thought they were. Well, yeah, I mean, they they were popular in like a very mainstream sense, but people will like if it was your favorite band, people would think that you're basic, right? But also sometimes, so sometimes I like, sometimes I picked the right thing that was like universal, like everybody would know this band or everyone would know this TV show, and then sometimes I was cooler than I gave myself credit for. Like I actually had a pretty great Green Day phase in late high school, and yeah, dude. That's like a normal thing for a normal teenager to be into. That might even be like slightly cooler than the average teenager. Okay. Well, you know, my Green Day phase was in like 2004, 2005 when American Idiot was out. American Idiot was my Green Day album as well. Yeah. That like I really loved. Uh, I would have discovered it like three to four years after you did. 
Interesting. But, but that's like what I'm saying is like that's a normal thing for a kid our age with a decent musical taste to have gone through a phase of, of really liking. Yeah, like the pop punk thing. Yeah, no, for sure. But I also had like I was into bands from the 80s and I didn't know they were from the 80s. <laughs> um, I was really I did not know like what I didn't know, like what music was current and what music wasn't. Right, because it was all new to you. Like you had no frame of reference. Right. So I remember, like, I know I was into Weezer, and I had no idea that, like, that wasn't contemporary. Well, it was contemporary, but, like, not like it wasn't, like, the in thing anymore. Right. After, like, the late 90s. Right. 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 And I, I also had, like, a weird taste in TV shows. So this would have been a little later, right on the tail end of getting out. I didn't have TV. I didn't have cable or Netflix. Um, but I had figured out how to pirate TV shows. <laughs> Which, for the record, I don't do anymore because I'm a good kid now. Uh, and I had figured out how to go like on the ABC website and watch shows the day after they aired. Oh yeah, I remember that too. I think a lot of a lot of stations used to do that, and I don't know if that they do anymore now that everybody everything's streaming. Yeah, before the streaming era, man, you had to like go to you know website like oh what, yeah was it? like <laughs> vodlooker dot ru you know <laughs> yeah stream to watch dot cz like you know like weird czech republic websites where they'd have links to pirate streams of all of the shows. right kids these days will never know i mean or you could go like like the ab so if you if you wanted to watch the bachelor and you didn't mind waiting until the day after it aired you could go on the abc website and watch it for free hmm. like now they make you they make you pay for that because everything's a streaming service but um, I did watch – I watched a lot of Disney Channel when I was babysitting and, like, in my early teens. In my early teens, I was watching, like, Hannah Montana, Sweet Life, stuff that was aimed at kids, like, three to four years younger than us. Um, but it definitely felt really rebellious, especially watching a show about a rock star who was a girl. Yeah, like, the the female empowerment in Hannah Montana was really groundbreaking for me at that age well i mean if you look at miley cyrus's career in entertainment i mean sure you know disney channel hannah montana that's a show for kids right but like mm. is there anything on there that's like really bad or harmful no right because i i don't know i haven't actually seen much of it but like i feel like there's a lot of hate for for miley just because you know she's like mainstream people saw her as like a teen superstar or whatever and they they're gonna hate that but like you know she made the transition from child star to grown-up serious musician and artist and like performer pretty well and i feel like you, like people can't hate her for that i remember my uh the the hannah montana show being really positive um the ifb has had a really big um hate bar for miley cyrus like literally since the beginning like since she was like 15 and doing hannah montana because she was supposedly teaching young girls to be promiscuous because of her outfits on Hannah Montana. I don't know. This is, I think, I'm pretty sure this is just like a literally just a classic case of IFB woman hating. Look at her. She's wearing pants. Like, look, yeah, look at her. Yeah. She's wearing like jeans and you can see an inch of her stomach. Oh no. That's certainly the worst thing Miley Cyrus is ever going to do. Those spaghetti straps. They're so like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, 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 um, I have no hate for Miley. Just in case I came off no. that way. I think she's super talented and she's clearly a serious actor now. I thought her acting was not great in the past and I think she's really stepped it up. Like if you watch her Black Mirror episode, she was fantastic. 
Um, and the writing on Hannah Montana was not great, but that's clearly not her fault. Yeah. So, okay. So, so you're watching Hannah Montana, which is like so mainstream, Yeah. but if you're IFB, like the show is super subversive. <laughs> yeah. And I was watching Disney channel. I was watching a lot of TLC shows. Um, although I never actually enjoyed the Duggars. <laughs> it reminded you ironically. too much of your upbringing. Honestly, I just thought the show was boring. And I guess that's because like, oh, well, I've seen this, you know, happen in real life. Why do I need to watch it on TV? Um, I also watched I watched What Not to Wear. That was pretty much my favorite show at the time. Uh, love What Not to Wear so much. Uh, I loved Say Yes to the Dress, um, which is great. I love I still love Say Yes to the Dress. It's got uh, a great I, name, too. Yeah. And I like I, I, I like fashion shows. That are more practical. Like, I feel like those are, like, really practical shows. Because you can, like, actually see, like, oh, this is how fashion looks on different bodies. And it's it's a little – it's a, it's less – what's it's the word? It's not just models. Right. It's less aspirational and more real life. And I liked that. Uh, I was also watching a lot of Ace of Cakes. Like, I learned a lot about baking and cake construction from Ace of Cakes. And I also think it really colored my ideas of fashion and how cool people talk to each other, like how cool people dress. Because the people on that show, like, there's facial piercings, there's bright colored hair, ripped jeans, a lot of Converse, a lot of Doc Martens. It's a really casual workplace. Like, there's a lot of joking around. And I was really attracted to, like, the – there's almost like a punk rock sensibility of the people on Ace of Cakes, like, the way they dress and the way they act. Okay, so it's Ace of Cakes is the show that turned you into a punk rocker. (laughs) Ace of Cakes. (laughs) I mean, I think it it probably was. The the Disney Channel shows that I was watching, the fashion at the time – for teen girls, it was like super, super layered. So what people were wearing was like jeans and like a long sleeve top and then a dress or a short sleeve top over that and a vest and a scarf and possibly several scarves. And like <laughs> I couldn't afford to dress like that because I couldn't afford that number of p- individual pieces. You couldn't afford that number of scarves. Right. That's <laughs> but, a lot of scarves, man. I mean, yeah. If you ever watch like Selena Gomez early like Wizards of Waverly Place outfits, so many scarves. Man, the layering was really like the thing in that era of of uh, it, like yeah, it everybody really was. like layers on layers. Like you'd be wearing like eight tank tops on top of each other. That's what yeah. people, that was what was in, and that didn't mesh with the IFB dress code rules. With those low low rise denim, that was an upsetting era of fashion. <laughs> well, I couldn't wear jeans, and then I couldn't own like. Like I could, like you would wear jeans with a short dress over it. I couldn't own a short dress, and I mean, some some girls in the IFB would wear a dress over a denim skirt to try to do the same look, and I didn't like that. Like you couldn't wear layered like tank tops or layered camisoles because that was against the rules. Right, because Jack Scott went on his whole creep. Yes, because Jack Scott is Scott is a creep. And so you remember like those shirts, like some of the shirts that were really popular had that like stupid cartoon monkey boy dude on them. Yes. I distinctly remember those. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't allowed to wear those because shirts with writing were not allowed in the IFB. So like the standard teenage girl look was just not, was not attainable or accessible to me. And I wasn't going to dress like the grown adult women on what not to wear. Cause like they styled mostly like professional 30 something women and i was like 14 15 but the people on ace of cakes i really loved their fashion 
And it was like, it was the fashion kind of became aspirational for me, like their awesome baking skills were. So how long after watching Ace of Cakes did you get your first pair of docks? <laughs> like 10 years, <laughs> but it was so worth the wait. And I have been saving a little bit of money to get myself a present after the baby's born, like a good job growing a human present. And uh, these hot yeah. pink docks just went on sale. Ooh. Yeah, you deserve that. Oh, I need those. Yeah, no, okay, but I do want to ask because, like, now you've gotten to the point where, like, you know what your style is, right? Yeah, more or less, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I mean, you know how to style yourself, you know how to dress yourself, like, and, you know, when it comes to, like, makeup and stuff, you you really know what you're doing in that department. Um, oh, yeah, and I like, I like, I know how I like my hair to look. What was, like, the, uh, there's got to be, like, an awkward transitional phase between, I dress IFB, I dress denim skirts and, you know, like there, there's got to be a transitional phase there somewhere. Like, wh- how was that? Like, how did that progress? I, I, it was, it was rough because like the way, the way I dress now, like I prefer really casual clothes. I like clothes that are comfortable. Um, A, a lot of, not unisex, but a lot of like pretty gender neutral clothing. Like, like I wear androgynous clothing. Yeah, like I wear like button downs and t-shirts and skinny jeans and Doc Martens and Adidas sneakers. Like this is stuff that that you know is not really gender specific. Like a t-shirt with a plaid shirt over it, which is what I'm wearing right now. Like that's not like this outfit could be on any person and just be an outfit. And then For I sure. do like I, I typically wear like that with like very feminine hair and makeup because that's what I enjoy. Like I love my like super long bright colored hair. But I felt like getting out of the cult, I felt like – so I tried to do like young professional for a while, uh, like pencil skirts and button-up shirts, um, which is which was cute but just was not me. And then I tried to do like, like super casual, like jeans and a t-shirt with no flair to it. And then, like, and I I did not know how to buy jeans. So my jeans were, like, 10 years out of date or two sizes too big or a weird color or I – and figuring out – here's the hard part. The the part that drove me batty for, like, several years. You want to know what the hardest thing to to learn, learning how to dress not like a weirdo? What? What shoes to wear with pants. Really? Okay, no, that makes sense though. Because I'd never owned pants. Oh my god! That no, that makes perfect sense though. Doesn't it? Yes. And because, that's why I yeah. love like my docs so much because they pretty much look good with like docs look good with skirt, docs look good with pants. That's why I love. That's one reason I really love my Doc Martens because they transition well. It's like the, they're the sriracha of shoes. They go on everything. Yeah. Yeah. So so that was like the hardest part of that awkward phase. Uh, like I, I got to a point where like I realized that I had spent my entire life in uncomfortable clothes in the IFB. Yeah. Um, like I had spent my entire life in like very tight clothes, high heels, wearing hosiery all the time, um, like layers and blazers and all this stuff that's that can be cute. It's just really not me. Yeah. Um, I do rock a blazer, but uh I don't I don't do like the dressed up look. I do like a blazer and jeans thing. But 
But like I realized that I had spent my entire life in uncomfortable clothes and I wanted to wear comfortable clothes. That came pretty easy. But like, man, learning how like the length of shirt that you wear with pants is different than the length of top that you wear with a skirt. Like that was so hard. And figuring out like what shoes to wear with pants took me years. That just that was hard. Wow. Yeah. So I want to that that's enlightening. That's very enlightening. I want to get back to you know speaking right because that's yeah. what we really wanted to be talking about in this episode. But that was really fascinating what you just told us right there. Um, basically, so you learned how to speak normal people English from watching reality television. Yeah, there's a there's a cliche about like when someone from another country is asked. How did you learn to speak English? Or like, why is your, how did you get your American accent down if they're British? Um, a lot of times that person will say, oh, I, well, I watched a lot of the TV show Friends. <laughs> and I didn't oh, watch. that though. Yeah, like, like that's really common. Uh, I did not watch Friends until I was out of the IFB. But I did watch a lot of reality TV. And there was one scripted show that really, I think, really influenced the way I talk. I think it's still a part of like my, my speech patterns at times. And that is how I met your mother. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Cause this is something I really want to talk about. Cause I so I have seen every episode of How I Met Your Mother. I have seen the whole series many, many times through. Loved it. Um, I have a blue French horn hanging on my wall. Uh um, I think it is it is a stellar comedy show. I thought the writing was very was was very witty, very you know, so many great jokes on that show. So many, but I find it surprising that this was a show that you really gravitated towards because this shows like attitudes towards, you know, relationships, towards drinking, towards sex must've been the polar opposite of what you were used to growing up. And like this, this is a show that you were basically using to low key teach yourself how to speak English or at least how to speak English without yeah, putting in like King, J- King James Bible verses in like every other sentence. So like, how did you square that? Well, like I was saying about the music, I was choosing things to try to educate myself with. It wasn't necessarily like what I liked or what I was drawn to. It was what I thought was universal. Like it was hmm. what I perceived to be typical for the culture that I lived in, the culture that I had no clue about. So when I started watching How I Met Your Mother, it was because I thought that it was an accurate representation of like what people <laughs> a little bit older than me, a little bit richer than me, and a little bit cooler than me were doing in their day-to-day lives. Ah, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I mean, I, how I mentioned it's a, it's a relatable show, certainly, but it is an exaggeration. It's Hollywood. It's not reality. I mean, like, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like a character, a character like Barney Stinson, he can't be real. He that would, I mean, that would be ridiculous. Oh yeah, like I knew that he was an exaggeration, but I also definitely thought there were guys, like like guys that obsessed with hookup culture that would like go to bars every single night to try to sweet talk a different girl to go home with him using questionable, if not straight up unethical methods. Mm, yeah. Ugh. Okay, so I I mean, I'm not going to say that they don't exist, but like Barney is clearly on a different level. So like you see this show, though, but like you see this show and you're thinking that half the guys in bars in like Portland are like Barney Stinson's and they're trying to just like hook up with like anybody that they see. 
No, because that part made sense to me. Because remember, I was raised IFB and I was taught that men will do anything for sex and that men like can't control themselves. Remember? Oh, okay. So Barney, yeah. So Barney made sense to me on one level, but I also thought that like, I thought that a larger percentage of the general population was like running around and hooking up with like 10 to 15 different people a month, like for fun. Like at like a hobby. Yeah. Like, is that what you have time for if you don't go to church? Like, that's kind of that's I, I was thinking like a large percentage of people in the general population were doing that. Let's be real, though. Like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people would do that if they could swing it. OK, you know? yeah, th- that's what I'm saying, though. I feel like I got the impression that most people like 50 percent of people were just living like that. Really? I miss the part where you would have to be like ridiculously attractive and have a job that started no earlier than like 9 or 10 a.m. and also like make this your hobby. I kind of thought that bars were full of this kind of people. So what I'm hearing you say right here is that I could do this if I wanted to because I am ridiculously (laughs) attractive. I have a job that starts uh, basically whenever I want it to. And the only thing that's that's standing between me and that is is my uh, is is my will to uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know you know take from that what you will. You know, did you have like any sort of like guilt that this was like you know this was the show that you were watching if you were trying to um, you know learn to exist outside of it and like this was the kind of material that you were exposing yourself to? Was there like any guilt associated with that? No, I don't I don't think there was because I was already so I I had discovered that I did not believe the tenants of the IFB uh, a couple of years before I left all the way. I, I knew when I was a teenager that there were certain things about the IFB that I didn't believe. And then as I went through college and I saw what happened with Jack Scott and I saw other you know other experiences that I had at Hiles Anderson more and more pieces of that belief kind of chipped away. So by the time that, you know, we roll around to like 2013, 2014, I'm almost an adult. I'm out of Hiles Anderson. And I was starting, you know, I was watching this show. I feel like I was already, I wasn't, I didn't own pants yet or I didn't go to movies yet or whatever. But in my heart, I already knew that I was on the way out. So, so I was you seeing do, it so- more as like an avenue on the way out. So you're basically just like setting yourself up for later. Mm-hmm. Almost. Okay. That makes sense. Because that like makes I had so already sense. more or less come to the conclusion that there was going to be a part of my life after the IFB. And I didn't know where I would end up. Like I didn't know. I, I didn't know if I would end up like a, a conservative Southern Baptist or like who like wears pants and drinks champagne at weddings and that's it. Um, and like only goes to PG movies. Or I didn't know if I would end up like <laughs> like where I am now, <laughs> but I knew that where I was going to end up was not IFB, and that was enough for me to want to learn about the outside world. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. Okay, yeah. But that I, have, I, I just want to br- go back to this show real quick. Have you heard the fan theory though that uh, probably that okay the the fan theory is that Ted is an unreliable narrator. And that basically he's making everything seem more crazy than it actually was because oh, yeah. he's telling the story to his kids. And so Barney Stinson, while he was kind of like a f- boy and a scumbag, he wasn't actually like 
putting he didn't actually like have a playbook and he wasn't putting together like elaborate traps for women yeah i think like and also like you have to remember that like most of these stories ted is remembering from the perspective of somebody who was tipsy or drunk at the time yes. like I, I think that's a good People on that show must have been drunk like 24 7 i don't even know but I, I guess what I'm saying, though, so the the focus of this show, to go back to, like, like what I thought, what I got wrong about the show, though, the, the focus is so much on dating and the main characters, like, go to a bar and they drink or they try to date new people or they talk about who they are dating at the time. And that's, like, such a huge focus of their lives. I think that was kind of surprising to me because dating is such a huge focus in the IF, excuse me, in the IFB. And I was expecting something different from the outside world. So I was a little bit confused because it seemed like people still spent all their free time on dating outside the IFB. It's just like, like there was the same obsession that we had inside the IFB just with like more sex and alcohol. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Cause like the idea of, of dating somebody casually, like somebody that you would be lukewarm about, but like, you know, you find them palatable and then you date them until somebody better comes. Like that doesn't exist in the IFB. That's not something that you would do because you would never date somebody to begin with that you didn't think that you would possibly end up marrying. Right. You were really discouraged from doing that. Um, I was really perplexed because also like these people weren't marriage minded. Like they were so obsessed with dating, but not with marriage. And that was weird to me. Like. Well, Ted what? always wanted to get married. He was like, I want to get married. That's my dream in life. Like, Right. But Marshall and Lily were together for like eight or nine years before they finally got married. Yeah. And they get married like end of season two. Yeah. And they've been yeah. together since like the first year of college when Marshall and Ted were roommates. So I, I think that was another confusing thing. Like, why didn't they just get married sooner? I didn't get – I didn't understand the concept. Like, sometimes people are together for a long time and they – choose not to get married or sometimes people are together for a long time and then they finally choose to get married i didn't get that <laughs> yeah right because you like if you don't you don't need to wait until you're married to have sex so it's not like getting married is something that you do finally like you know you, it's not like you're yeah. on a time constraint <laughs> no it's not like you're just like oh man i like i like a, a cold breeze is gonna cause a big problem for me if we <laughs> we got to get married right away you know what i'm saying <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I couldn't understand if you love somebody and you were committed to them, like without being married, what what would make you turn the corner and then decide to get married? Like if finally getting to have sex is not the carrot on the stick, like what's the carrot on the stick? So I feel like that just felt so confusing to me about this show. Yeah, but that makes so much sense if you're looking at this from like an IFB mindset. But I was already in a long-term relationship by the time I started watching How I Met Your Mother. So I knew what my own motivations were, but trying to understand what other people's motivations were was was pretty perplexing. So maybe if you're like fresh out of the IFB, maybe How I Met Your Mother isn't the end-all and be-all the best way for you to assimilate yourself into society. I just think maybe it gave me a little bit of an unrealistic expectation of what the real world was like. I think the other thing that it really that it really instilled in me was watching these people spend so much money. Oh my god! I think god. I thought the outside people yes. were a lot richer than they actually are. No, like every episode, they're drinking in a bar and eating food at the bar. It's like ridiculous. Like they have got to be spending tens of thousands of dollars a year just at this one bar. 
I mean, yeah, well, drinking scotch in a bar. Like, what, was this like a $50 bar tab per person per night? No, dude, they're in New York. It's like a hundred dollar bar tab per person per like fifty dollar bar tab is like if they were doing that. That's in Portland. That's a fifty dollar bar tab. It's a hundred bucks in New York. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and all those cab rides too, though. Because yeah. I mean, the cab rides, Lily's shopping addiction, and credit card problem, and shoe thing. Like, aren't New York apartments supposed to be expensive? I, I don't know. Newbie newscasters who are not anchors don't make that much mo- amount of money to live by themselves like Robin did. They could just say, oh, it's uh, rent controlled. And then that's like. Yeah, that's the thing. Every New York show ever just says rent control. They're just assuming that everybody, that people don't actually know how rent control works. Right. <laughs> or that everybody on this show got an apartment from like their great aunt. Yeah. What I'm wondering, though, do you think I picked up any speech patterns from How I Met Your Mother? Because I think it's obvious Mm. that the show gave me some strange expectations for adult life in general. I still think – I think the way – I think, like, the context in which I speak, like, the the grade level at which I speak, like, the the vocabulary complexity that I use or don't use, and especially the way I use sarcasm, I think that – comes from that show. And when I explain things, I always feel a, like I sound a little bit Ted-like. Like when I get into a really big explanation. I don't. I wouldn't say that you you really sound like Ted. I don't know. I think the biggest difference between you and Ted is that you're much more successful in your relationships than he is. That's true. <sighs> no. I okay. I want to double back on something though. Um, like so much earlier in this episode, we mentioned um that you really enjoyed the album uh, by Green Day that was American Idiot. That album by Green Day came out in like, what, 2004. I also enjoyed this album, but uh, it sort of got me to thinking that like one of the things about this album that I really liked, or one of the things of this, uh, I don't want to say that it was something I really liked, but it was really like a new door for me. It was like the first music that I had really listened to that had a lot of swear words in the lyrics and so, you know, and I've like, I've gotten like, so how did you learn? So like, I listened to this album and I'm like, okay, this is how you use, you know, swear words and stuff. Like, so how did you learn to do that? Because like, when you first start mm-hmm. doing, you put them in everywhere, right? Yeah. Just like, like you just like throw them everywhere. Yeah. And then people are like, uh, you sound ridiculous when you talk like that. <laughs> you shouldn't like, yeah. Cause if you use them all over the place, they lose their punch. Yeah, yeah. I feel like my journey to swearing proficiently has been a very long one. Uh, <laughs> I've, Bethany's been on a hat journey, but I've been on a swearing journey. Um, <laughs> so I have a question, though. Like, Were you allowed to swear as a kid? Allowed. Mm. Okay, obviously not like you couldn't just like go dropping F-bombs in front of your parents. But like if you're a 10-year-old kid, like, you know, Bart Simpson uses like mild swears on TV. Like, sure. were you like, like, damn hell, like, that's like Bart Simpson swearing. Like, were, were you allowed to do that? Like, where was the line for you compared to, like, what we don't usually bleep on this show or, like, the seven words you can't say on TV or whatever? I mean, I, I wouldn't say stuff in front of my parents. But, like, I mean, I remember one time I got a note sent home. When I was in eighth grade, I got a note sent home from school because there was a kid who was being a total butthole. And I told him to go f- himself. And then I had to go to the, I had to go to the principal's office, and they sent a note home. And my parents didn't really care. My parents were like, "Yeah." Um, and like they the, didn't wash your mouth out with soap. No, 
Yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, I, you know, in front of my parents, I mean, I'd say everything up to and including the word crap. I feel like that was oh, okay. Oh, you mean the C word? No, I would absolutely not say the <laughs> C word in front of my parents. No, you just said it. You said crap. <laughs> no, I'm joking, of course. What? But <laughs> no, growing up, so growing up, I knew there was an F word, but I didn't know what it was. And I also knew that there was a C word that was a really bad. And I spent several years thinking that crap was the C word. So... Okay. <laughs> that is the C word. Oh my god. Yeah, the, so how how old were you when you found out that it wasn't? Mm, I don't remember. I I know I was legally an adult before I learned several of the standard English set of curse words. This is another place like remember like a way way back, like a million years ago. How I'm super curious about prom. Yes. This is another place where I'm really curious about like what other people experienced. This is like the same feel for me. Because in the IFB, like nobody curses, nobody like uses swear words, but it goes a lot deeper than that because I don't know, plenty of Christians don't cuss. You know, Ned Flanders <laughs> to go back to the Simpsons. Like, like Italy, you know, Italy, 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 yeah, like, like yeah. lots of lots of Christians, like, but you'll hear Ned Flanders say heck or darn or whatever. Or, oh, my gosh. But, uh, like, a lot of Christians do that. Sweet Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Yeah, but normal Christians don't have problems with euphemisms. Like, what the heck? Or, darn it. Or, oh, my gosh. Or, like, or, yes, you know, crap. Okay, so crap was definitely not a swear word. Like, okay, here's an example. Okay, so I'll tell you. Uh and this is going to date me, but have you ever heard of Strong Bad? Not ringing a bell. So this is absolutely going to date me. For and anybody listening, I know some people listening are just like cheering because they're hearing me bring this up. But like, so in the days, in the pre-YouTube days of the internet, um, if you were a content creator, you had your own website where all of your content was hosted. There wasn't like a, a YouTube or, you know, like an Instagram or a TikTok or a Snapchat or whatever, where, you know, you would upload everything to and everybody was on that platform. But it, it was, it was like, you would have your own website and there were tons and tons and tons of different websites. And they all had like, you know, characters, they're like cartoon shows, like with, with characters that were made with flash animation and among the most popular, I think this is like the archetype for like mid 2000s flash animation websites was the website homestarrunner.com. And I think it, so it was this website where, you know, they would make cartoon char episodes featuring various characters They had like a cast of, of cartoon characters. But one of the characters was this uh, character strong bad who was this like little guy who wore a Mexican wrestling mask and boxing gloves. And he would answer emails at his computer. And then see, so you could write strong bad an email and he might answer it. It was like insanely, insanely that, popular when I was in middle school. That sounds cute and charming. Yeah. Oh, it, it was so funny, it, but he would always be saying, Holy crap. You know, like that was okay. his catchphrase. Like there was this one time when they, they did like a, a, it wasn't a Christmas special. It was a December ween special and strong bad sang, uh, Oh, Holy night. But he sang, Oh, Holy crap. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was that instead. It's very funny. But like, this was a website. It was 
yeah, it was geared for elementary school kids, middle school kids. It was funny. It was it was like cartoons. And it wasn't like inappropriate, but like the word crap in my mind will always and forever be associated with strong bat. Like it, you know, it like so it's definitely not a swear. I think I don't know. I, I actually at some point I'm going to assign you some strong bat or some home star runner cartoons for homework at some point. That'll be fun. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Jonathan about them because he was a person on the internet around that time. Oh, I'm so sure he's he heard probably, of Strong Bad. Yeah, he probably knows more than I do. But if you've ever looked into swearing anthropologically, you're probably aware that there are two categories of of swear. So you have scatological and you have blasphemous. So words that are considered swears almost universally either refer to like body parts or body functions that are considered rude or considered obscene, or they refer to religious topics like swearing by a God or swearing by something that is considered holy. Uh, What I think is interesting is that the IFB, they don't differentiate. They differentiate between those two types of swears because the religious or blasphemous curses are considered to be worse, but they most people are are would prefer to hear one type of those swears than the other. Like people who are not religious don't tend to mind blasphemous curses at all. Like they, they like don't even Jesus Christ. That's not a yeah. Right. Like they don't like people who aren't religious like wouldn't care. Um, people who are religious, a lot of religious people consider the the scatological category of curse words to be less bad because huh. like because like you know they they're willing they they don't care you know if you use a, a a crude body part or crude body function term because at least you're not cursing by their god what's interesting about the ifb is they do differentiate between the two types but they try to cultivate a completely swear free lifestyle so there's not that leeway of like well one of these kinds of swears is sort of acceptable and the other one isn't that you find in most other groups of people and the ifb also will not use popular euphemisms for swears regular like religious people who wouldn't feel right saying what the hell might usually be willing to say what the heck or but what the, the heaven I- right oh no no my no people i knew in high school used to say that <laughs> this no this dude i what knew in the high heaven? school you just gave me a total flashback to this dude i knew in high school who said that but the IFB believe that, like, if you say what the heck, it's the same thing as saying what the hell because the intention is the same. So they won't use that at all. What, so what, they, what would they say instead? Would they say, what in tarnation? <laughs> uh, what on earth is the substitute that, that came to mind first oh, for me? Okay, okay. okay, um, okay if okay. you were a man, you could toe the line a little bit. You could get away with saying, like, what the hey? Uh, or what the heck then? Women were supposed to stay far, far, far away from even the most minced of oaths because it's not feminine. Hmm. So another big thing like that the IFB do is that they want to completely avoid anything that mentions the name of God. So, oh, my God, or Jesus Christ would be completely off limits. But we were not even allowed to say, oh, my gosh, or like, geez. Hmm. One person in my school got big mad because people were saying, oh, my goodness. Their argument was... That God is good, therefore God is the equivalent of goodness, therefore, oh my goodness, is still taking the name of God in vain. Oh, that sounds like, oh, that person sounds like such a wiener. I would not want to hang out with them. 
No, you wouldn't. (laughs) No. Okay. If you say something like absolutely insane about your upbringing and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, dude, all the IFB people who are made to listen to this to, you know, figure out what we're saying about them, they just like shudder or do they pray for me? (laughs) Both. (laughs) I'll tell you, that's one swear that I've only picked up in the last like year or so. That was pretty much like the final frontier of cursing that's like, that was like the last one i wouldn't say so that's like i am i responsible for that though oh <laughs> now that i think about it no one else that i know uses that swear so I, it has to be that you're responsible that's you have to be where i got that from <laughs> i've corrupted you uh yeah but i've corrupted you i've made you watch jack scott talk so you, you made me watch the polish shaft nothing i've that done I worse could ever to you say, than you've done to me <laughs> nothing that i could ever say will be worse than that polish shaft video you, okay yeah no but you know who has the best fake swears i mean i i'm guessing you're gonna say mormons theirs are great <laughs> yeah so members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints have the best fake swears um, among my personal favorites is uh, the one cheese and rice. Cheese and rice is a classic. <laughs> uh, what the frick is the other one that I associate with Mormons and also Randy from the Trailer Park Boys? Yeah. Also, <laughs> darn to heck is another one that they've got. Yep. yep darn yep. to heck. No, they like they may come across as friendly, but they will have you using every single fake swear in your arsenal if you ever play them at Uno. <laughs> I am telling you this now. Do not play Uno against any member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They will frick you up. <laughs> Bad. No, they, they will. They will. <laughs> um, but I, I never really felt like I picked up swearing properly from media. I think it had to be from other people. Uh, we've had like a fun time going through all this. But ultimately, uh, if you want the, the honest answer, I learned to swear when I got a job in retail. <laughs> like, I, I think this is actually like that. That's what happened. <laughs> like I, I got a job in the outside world, and it was in the service industry, and uh, working long hours in the retail store. So that was it. Um, yeah, but I do think this is pretty cool because there are words that I associate with my old coworkers, and some of my old coworkers were really, really great people. Like, there are people that I stayed friends with beyond the workplace, like that level of cool coworkers. Like, I know at least one of them listens to the show, but I, I didn't just get like an R rated vocabulary from those people. I also associate it with cool people who I'm actually glad I got to know and I'm glad I got to work with. So it turned out pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, it, I mean, you'll learn vulgar words that you never thought possible working in retail. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, usually, that's true. <laughs> usually, those words will be directed at customers behind their backs, like after they've uh, yelled at you for something that you had no power over. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think we're gonna have to wrap up this episode soon. Um, now ish, be, uh, but like before we do that, um, I have a few final thoughts. Um, I figured I just yeah. Uh, so. As funny as it mean as it is to me that you used Ace of Cakes and How I Met Your Mother to teach yourself how to speak, I mean it's also like really sad. You know, I mean we talk about we talk about spiritual oppression and like spiritual abuse, and one major piece of you know of keeping people trapped. It like it's much easier to keep somebody trapped by not allowing them to develop the skills to 
survive or thrive in any outside environment than it is to keep them imprisoned by, you know, keeping them in a compound, keeping them in a locked room or whatever. Right. Because you can report someone who is keeping someone imprisoned in a compound. You can't report someone who is just mentally influencing someone to brainwash themselves. No, that's not even illegal. That way. Yeah. No, it's not. Like that's that's what makes us so insidious. Yeah. You know, well, this is the sort of thing that I mean, it's funny now because you made it out the other side, but like I'm sure that when you were going through this, it was such a head trip because like it's almost like learning a completely different language and just being thrown in by immersion and like meanwhile you have to survive while you're doing it. Yeah. And you feel very you feel very lonely. I mean, if you were if you went to Japan because you wanted to learn Japanese by immersion and you were just going to like live there for three months and, and then come home, you would feel lonely at first because you wouldn't be able to communicate with people and you would feel cut off from the world. And it, it's it's a good analogy for how you feel when you come out of a cult. And I know like I know we say this every episode uh, but literally every single day, we get messages on Facebook, on Instagram, in our email inbox from listeners who want to tell us about how difficult it was for them to transition out of the IFB, like because of this issue alone. Because, you know, they were told that certain worldly language was only used by people who worship Satan, you know, or like commonplace phrases that they like that, you know, everybody uses so that they would think that everybody around them was satanic. As funny as it is that, like, the way that you know that you used to talk like this is this is a real form of abuse you know this is a real tool of abuse that you can use on people that they've been using on people Mm -hmm. and if like if this is something that you struggle with if you're listening to this if this is something that you struggle with even years later it's not at all your fault and it's not because something is wrong with you you know it's it's a as we're going to say uh a journey Um, it's a journey but it's not about hats (laughs) <laughs> no, no, and I think that's why um, survivor groups are so important. There are there are resources for people who are in the same boat. You know, our group Eden Exodus is probably about half. Would you say half to sixty percent former IFB? Yeah, for sure. And then other and then people who just like the show. Other people who like who are you know are interested in or or were parts of different churches that were maybe not quite as strict or or whatever their background is. Uh, but we get a lot of, of support topics in there. Uh, there are many other Facebook groups that I'm a part of as well. Uh, I think this is where support groups really come in handy because you can talk to other people who speak your language about what you're going through. Yes, 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 yes. And I, I highly recommend um, people find some form of support. Uh, I know I talk about I talk about therapy a lot on the show, and that's certainly a good thing for a lot of people, but some people can't afford therapy or don't have access to it right now for whatever reason. Um, Finding a friend group, a Facebook group, or even just one other person that you can talk to uh, can make a big difference when somebody else gets it. Um, And on that, I think it is time for us to end. Uh, We, man, we're not going to talk to you. For us, we're not going to talk to you for another couple of months, but you will hear us again next week. Uh, And by that time, uh, Sadie will have a new baby. Sadie and her husband will have a a new baby and uh, we'll be there to, you know, give you updates on everything that's gone on with us. Uh, And so we hope that you you will tune into that episode. Uh, 
you can follow the Leaving Eden podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Leaving Eden Podcast on Twitter. It is at Leaving Eden Pod. If you have questions uh, for us, you know, we did a Q&A episode about a month ago. Uh, we can always do another one. You guys send us enough questions. You can send us your questions at leavingedenpod at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group if you want to, you know, join this community of people who like our show uh that is going to be called eden exodus and that is uh on facebook so you go to facebook.com slash eden exodus sadie would you like to plug your social media yep you can follow me on instagram at sadie carpenter music uh you can also follow me on twitter at hell yes sadie uh clubhouse is at hell yes sadie and tiktok is sadie carpenter one because I've given up on finding a cool name because I still part my hair on the side and wear skinny jeans. So clearly I'm not cool. I think you're pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. Your your dye jobs and your hair always look like top tier. I'm excited to be a blue haired mom. I think it's going to be great. You're going to be a blue haired mom uh, with excellent fashion sense and a uh, hot pink Doc Martens. And if you want to follow me on social media, uh, my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse are all at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. And uh, if you want to listen to the song that is playing right now, it is called Rolling River of Time. You can find it on every streaming service by looking up my uh page uh my gabrielle hakoan music page on you know spotify apple music uh wherever you stream your music wherever you get your music from uh the song is available there and all the proceeds from that uh go to help the show so uh we will talk to you next week uh or in two months uh depending on whether you're you or depending on whether you're us so (laughs) yeah and until then uh, we hope that you guys have a wonderful time a wonderful week a wonderful day Bye-bye. But old rolling river of time Peeled me in too many days No regrets, no Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer. Softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.